and welcome back to the Bible Screen. Uh, myself and Steve O'Rourke here at the minute, and later on we'll be joined the show by the brilliant Rachel O'Neill from uh, Disturbing the Peace podcast, who's going to tell us what it's like being a Raiders fan, because Steve has tricked her and myself into it, and how we found our first couple of weeks as Raider fans, and obviously Rachel wasn't a big NFL fan, so she's going to tell us what it's been like following the sport and how she found week one, so make sure you stay tuned for that, folks, because it's brilliant. We pre-recorded earlier, Rachel is amazing, and it's a whole laugh, and you'll just really enjoy it. Now, Steve, week yes. two in the NFL is over. The NBA playoffs have exploded. Let's get into this week. We'll start in the NFL, right? With a new segment, folks, that I came up, I came up with a name, and it's horrendous, like, but I'm proud of it. So it's <laughs> trash or cash. I'm sure you get the gist of it. Who had a trash week? Who had a cash week? It's such a <laughs> shitty name. I don't care. So we'll start with trash, Stephen. Um, who are we nominating this week to ha- that had a really, really horrendous week? Burn in mind, everyone the 49ers got injured. Yeah, I don't I don't blame the 49ers because it feels like the, the stadium staff in uh, MetLife Stadium had a trash week. But I'm actually going to go, in terms of a team, uh, the New York Jets uh, having a trash week. So they followed up a 27-17 loss in week one with a 31-13 uh, loss to the, to the 49ers in week two. In that game, they had a third and 31 that they let a running back run for 55 yards. That is all you need to know about how bad the New York Jets team are. Um, I tweeted on, on I tweeted on Sunday and I really got in trouble for it. But can we just ban all New York sports teams because they're so bad? Um, uh, but yeah, I, I I knew the Jets were going to be poor coming into the season. I did not expect them to look like an Irish American football team um, rather than an NFL team. Um, Adam Gase is completely out of his depth. There is no run game, there's no pass game, there's no semblance of defense. They are on their way to getting Trevor Lawrence as the number one overall pick in next year's draft, and it's not even particularly close. But but is that a good thing for Trevor Lawrence? No, no, he does not want anything to do with that franchise at all. He's going to hope that someone like the Dallas Cowboys, who I know they won at the weekend, but really shouldn't have. Um, he's going to hope that a team like that falls to him instead. Um, I don't know how likely it is. Um, but, yeah, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'd, I'd try and find some way to do a Masters or something to stay in college in their year without declaring, because I do not want to play for the New York Jets, I have to say. Well, like, they were, they were run very close. We'll just talk about teams for a minute. They were run very close by the Atlanta Falcons. Now, folks, I don't know if he's all saw this. I'm sure he's have. So, unfortunately, the Atlanta Falcons, they need this band, all right? They, lost, they threw away a Super Bowl, which is bad enough, but they let, and I'm doing quotes so Steve can see this, America's team yeah. back into a game which they had no right to be back into uh, and then win a game because... No, Stephen, you're the expert here, and I'm, I'm definitely not. They decided not to pick up an onside kick. So, they seem to forget. So, an onside kick has to go 10 yards for the offense, the team kicking the ball to pick it yes. up. Yes. What the Falcons forgot is that the team defending it don't have to let the ball go 10 yards. They can pick it up at any time they want. And 
that's what happened. So they forgot yeah. there was a defense. They forgot there was a defense. Yeah, it was. I was watching it, and and my jaw was literally falling to the floor watching it. Going, what are you doing? What are you doing? I cannot believe that a team that were twenty eight three up in a Super Bowl have somehow now got a worse loss on their record than that because it's incredible. Like no. 440 times before last night, or before <laughs> Sunday night, a team had scored 39 points and not turned the ball over and not lost a game with American football. And the Falcons went and lost the game with American football. So they're to them. I mean, it's an achievement to be the one in a 440 to one or whatever it is. Uh, but like, I had a lot of hope for the Falcons coming into the season. I thought they were sneakily the favorites for that division. Um, but to be honest, like because the Saints have, are one and one, the Bucks are one and one, the Panthers are zero and two. They're still in it. Like that's the thing. So that's where I think the difference with the 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 the, the Jets is because I think that in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills are such clear favorites. That's going to be mm-hmm. really hard for a team that's zero and two kind of get back into it like the the dolphins are much better owing to than than the jets are because the dolphins could have easily beaten the the bills at the weekend um just before he threw the winning pass um our friend uh josh allen threw a ball that absolutely should have been picked off for an interception uh, and that is the josh allen experience because he goes from very nearly throwing the game away to winning the game in the very next play but yeah the for me um the, the the Jets already have a points differential of minus 28, I think, and they've played two of the worst teams in football. It's not like they've played anyone like exceptionally good. Um, and then that's not fair in the 49. I mean, the 49, as I predicted last week, we get to Super Bowl. I mean, now after like the 15 million injuries they got last week, they're now one of the worst teams in football. So um, it, it's, a, it's a tough time as a New York Jets fan, I have to say. Yeah, there's not really much to look forward to, really. No, well, except Trevor Lawrence. It's, yeah, well, I mean, this season, sorry, in New York in general, because Saquon Barkley, who was in my fantasy team, you have to feel so sorry for him. Like an ACL and an MCL, and it's the MCL injury that's going to do the most damage because of the way it has to be repaired. Yeah. Like, that is just horrendous. And he, he was injured last year with a bad sprain. And I was coming, I mean, there was loads of injuries. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Jimmy Garoppolo, just to name some on the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey. Um, to other guys, I've just lost the names. But the second one came through and you're just thinking, uh, even though I have no love for the New York Giants or anything, I just dying for him because he just seems to be going through this stage where he's getting injured and injured. Yeah. So... That's horrendous. But like we we said last week about this, getting rid of New York sports teams. If I was an Atlanta Falcons fan, like fair to them, I would find that quite tough. <laughs> because, because like there's there, and I think it's I think it actually is harsher in American football. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's literally no excuses sometimes for some of the mistakes that are made. Like some of the and you know, I know you'll know some of the kicks that are missed. There's no excuses for, but this here, not to know to pick up that onside kick. And I mean, I had just saw what had happened and the fact that they were going to kick the ball back. So I was thinking, well, they got close. 
fair play to the Cowboys, but they're they're just going to fall short here. And Dak Prescott came out last week and he's brilliant talking about depression and stuff and what he's been through and that was amazing. So, you know, we saw a spot for him, but it's still Jerry Jones's team, so no, thank you. And then for that to happen, there's going there has to be serious serious questions asked to this Falcons franchise now under what's the head coach called again? He's just gone out of my name. Or my, my brain. What's his name? Uh, Dan Quince. There has to be serious questions asked about him. Yeah, there are. Like, I mean, just their butlers now, and that's all anyone's going to know them as. If, if, if they go up in a lead now, you know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, I thought I actually thought they played really, really well in that did. game. Like, uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, who someone who's been, like, without bringing this into the fantasy conversation, but, like, he's someone who's been in my fantasy team for three years now. He's, like, he's leading the league in catches and touchdowns and yards. Like, and Julio Jones is on that team. So, as a... And Todd Gurley. Yeah. Like, there's, there's so many weapons on that team, like, offensively. And Dan Quinn is a defensive coach. He comes from coaching that famous Seattle um, secondary and that's that's where he built his name as as like this brilliant defensive coordinator, um, or this brilliant defensive mind. And yet all of a sudden you've got some giving up that many points. Um, it's it's a bit of a shame because I had a, I, I just had a sneaky suspicion about the Falcons this season. And I feel really bad for the fans, but like it, you, you can't do what they did um, against KYs and recover. I just like that's with them for the rest of the season, um, and I just don't. Thirty nine points, no turnovers, and they lose a game. Like it just makes no sense. Like it, it makes as little sense as the fact that that the Jets, who I picked as my trash team, had a thirteen play drive that only went for thirty eight yards. Like that's only two point nine yards per play, which means they were only getting nine yards per three downs. So it shouldn't be possible to to have a play have a a drive like that, but that's how bad they are. They're actually breaking the rules of American football, um, and that's why they're on my trash team of the week. And your trash player was Daniel Jones. Yeah, um, like Daniel Jones is a failed experiment as an NFL quarterback. All like I, I, I'm sorry, like it's not just the the, the Giants' offensive line which got um, Saquon Barkley injured this week. Daniel Jones is not helping himself. He has two touchdowns this year, right? Um, and he's had four turnovers, and they're all his own fault. The, the two picks and the two fumbles are absolutely on him. Um, and this is what happens when you take a second round quarterback and you pick him number six overall and you put him into a starting position behind a crap offensive line. Um, the, like, I'm just like, he's so bad. He's just so unbelievably bad. Um, and to have to know that you had a really high draft pick and you spent it on Saquon Barkley when Lamar uh, Jackson was there just must kill Giants fans. And I, I know Paddy Pigskin listens to this podcast and is a massive uh, uh, Giants fan and shout out to Gary. Like, but like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you sit there as a Giants fan and watch football every Sunday and know that this is not the answer quarterback. And yet he's going to get enough wins to take you out of contention for a really good quarterback. That must be just so disheartening as a fan. And and, and look, I, I, it, it might feel like I'm, I'm constantly going on at, at, about Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, and I don't have like a particular... 
I just hate when I hate when something is so obvious. Like when he rushes with the ball in his hand, it just feels like it's going to be a fumble every time, and it just feels like that's what's going to happen. And I, and when he gets into a pressure situation on second and third down, it feels like he's going to throw a pick. Um, and like you don't want to be that negative about quarterback, but for me, of of the the thirty three or thirty four quarterbacks who started a game this season, he's right down there in the bottom ten percent. I would say of the starting quarterbacks, I would say he's the worst. And that's not a nice thing to say about anyone like in their job, but I would say he, he was the one. If I had to pick, I would rather have the other 31. <laughs> it, like, I would rather have. I yeah, I can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have. Uh, your, our, our cash team, we, we agreed on both of these, so. Our cash team uh, of the week is the Seattle Seahawks. Now, boy, yeah. did they look good. They looked so good. Um, yeah, they could have lost the game at the end. The Patriots decided to run the ball with Cam Newton, which, I mean, like we we slagged the Seattle Seahawks for losing a Super Bowl for, for uh, passing on the one-yard line, so we can't really slag the, the, the Patriots for... For running the ball uh, on the one-yard line, but I, I just Russell Wilson for me. We're going to talk later on because I know you've got a hard on for Kyler Murray this year, but like uh, currently it is well for for me. Russell Wilson is is nailed on to the MVP this season, um, and I think the Seahawks are going to have a really really good year. And I think the fact these 49ers injuries are only going to help the Seahawks. Because it means they're two games against the 49ers, which are traditionally like really tough games for the Seahawks to win, um, are going to be that little bit easier. And um, yeah, we're getting to the stage where uh, Russell Wilson MVP, the Seahawks have a really deep playoff run. Seems just like such an obvious situation. Yeah, he he looks absolutely amazing. He look Russell Muscle, I think cousin Sal called him on the Bill Simmons podcast the other day. He looks he looks. Absolutely. I mean, one thing I wanted to ask you actually, I was going to ask you this off air, but I may as well ask you now. Everyone keeps saying, everyone that uh, that works in the NFL or watches NFL or talks about NFL or whatever, and all these podcasts that I ain't catching up on, The Ringer and Athletic and different things, keep saying that they have basically unpacked Russell or, the, or they've unleashed him. Well, mm. What do they mean by that? Because, like, what, what are they doing differently, the Seahawks? So, Traditionally, the Seahawks are quite conservative with Russell Wilson, so they don't let him run with the ball. They don't let him throw the ball too much. They tend to be a very balanced offense, so it's a lot of it's mostly fifty-fifty run and pass. This year, what they're doing is they're letting him use his feet a little bit more, but they're also letting him throw the ball a little bit more. Um, and that's what everyone's been saying for the last two seasons in Seattle. Everyone's been saying, "Just let Russell throw the ball. He's a great passer of the football." Um, and we're seeing that a little bit with the Ravens, say, with Lamar Jackson. Everyone kind of said, look, brilliant with his feet, but not quite there as a passer. And now he's there as a passer. And like the Ravens look like legit Super Bowl contenders because of that. If you've got a dual-track quarterback, that is so much harder to defend against than, than a quarterback that you know is either going to tuck the ball down and run or that is going to stay back in the pocket and pass. Someone who on any given play could do either is just really difficult to scheme for and really difficult to plan for. So when people say they've unleashed him, it means that 
defenses just won't be able to tell what the Seahawks want to do anymore. Um, and that they just have become a little bit predictable. Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the NFL. He doesn't look like the oldest coach in the NFL, but he is. He's a man in his late 60s. Um, he is traditionally quite a conservative person. Um, and this year, I think this might be a window for the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl. So they decided, like, fuck it, let's just go for it. It's it's funny how he spends uh, lockdown or whatever doing a podcast with Steve Kerr, and now he, all of a sudden he's breaking out and he's breaking out uh, Russell Wilson as well. Do you know what I mean? It's almost yeah. as if Steve Kerr has had an effect on him. But you're uh, like this now defensively. I know they had the big stop, which they went mad over, and it'll give them a boost going forward into the season, which is amazing, especially over this the Patriots because they owed them one, and they'll want to get them back in a playoff game. To really get them back for it, like, but um, it was a brilliant play in the end, and I can't remember the name of the the back that <laughs> steamrolled two pages, including Cam Newton out of the way. But it was unbelievable play to stop them at the end, like, um, so they're gonna look good. I would worry, yes, if I for non Seahawk fans about how far this team can go because they do look like there's there's like there's three teams now, yeah, that are really gonna compete for this this year and themselves the Ravens and the Chiefs your player of the week our sort of player of the week um I will agree I thought Justin Herbert for a rookie for his first game was unreal and he managed to boof off a linebacker as well which is unbelievable and um, but yes Monday night game how he played I know how high you have him and I know how much you drive the Derek Carr train and how happy you were for how you get on Derek Carr is our cash player of the week Steve explain how well he did on Monday night Derek Carr on Monday night was so the first two drives I, Twitter was just its usual self um, where Derek Carr is a terrible footballer he misses so many deep throws blah 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 and then they went 15 to 15 and scored two touchdowns in two drives and everyone just shut up um, so the, the, to me Derek Carr's season already can be like whittled down to two plays um, so there was a touchdown uh, Nelson Aguilar in the first game of the season against the Panthers. I, I texted you straight away about it because there is literally him, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers control that ball into where he threw it and for it to be a touchdown. It was literally the only place he could have thrown it for. Um, is it, is it the, the, the throwing of the ball or the vision? It's the vision and the placement. So the vision comes from knowing the Gruden system and Gruden's offense system is really, really complicated. You could do an entire podcast on John, John Gruden's offense. Maybe you will. Maybe you will, yeah, someday. But it's really, really complicated. And it's taken... Last year he was getting there, but this year you can tell that he's got a complete command of it, right? Um, and then there was a touchdown against uh, the Saints on Monday night, the Zay Jones touchdown, where literally there was a square foot of the end zone where the ball could be caught by the receiver. And that was it. Everything else was either a pass deflection by defense or the ball would have dropped short. And that is exactly where the ball landed. Zay Jones caught it for a touchdown. He got his boom in bounds um, before his legs went out of bounds. And then he spoke, uh, Zay, uh, Derek Carr spoke about that after the game. And they literally practiced that a hundred times this offseason in parks, in 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 school, high school stadiums. And he got it right 98 times out of 100. And John Gruden said to him on the sideline just before they ran the play, you have to remember the 98 times. You can't remember the two times you got it wrong. 
and he got it right in in, in and like Carr is like anyone who's not a Raiders fan probably doesn't appreciate how good he is. But he is <laughs> I said it last week and people like I, I got a bit of pushback about him being an MVP contender. Like when he is on form and he now has a deep threat receiver that he's never had before and it's like there's a whole conversation to be had about like Darren Waller was the star, the tight end on, on Monday night. But Henry Ruggs the third was open on I think fifty percent of the snaps he was on the field. And Carr only threw the ball to him three times. And two of those times was called for pass interference. And even when Ruggs wasn't open, he was being fouled for defensive pass interference. And he, if Carr had thrown the ball his direction, we would have got a penalty. The Raiders would have got a penalty on it. Like, so the Raiders' offense is in, is in a really good position. Like If you think about it, they scored out on six out of seven drives. And on the drive they didn't score, the, the running back fumbled a really catchable pitch. Um, the Raiders would have at least scored a field goal on that drive. So they potentially could have scored on the last seven drives of the game. If you're scoring on six or more drives in the game, you're going to win nine football games out of ten. David, I'm going to ask you this. I want you yes. to give me an honest answer. Are we winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'll take a breath. Um, the problem is that the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs are in the AFC, so you have to get by both of them. Um, the Raiders are, I think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs this year, which before the start of the season, like in most people's eyes, the Raiders were somewhere between 24th and 32nd in terms of ranked teams this year. They're now in everyone's top 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone legitimate, anyway. Um, and the defense is still an issue. Like they got away with one on Monday because Drew Brees is losing his eyesight. It seems um, because he completely missed a, a, a Raiders linebacker because he was the same color as the logo in the middle of the field, and that's not a good thing. Um, no, it's not great. But like you know, people like the first game of the season, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL, and he only had eight yards on the ground until the fourth quarter in the first game of the season. The Raiders' run stop is really good. Um, the Raiders' offense has worked really well, despite the fact that Trent Brown, the starting left tackle, the most important person on the offensive line, missed the last quarter of the Panthers game and missed all of the Saints game. And the left guard, Richie Incognito, missed most of the Saints game. And the Raiders' offensive line still did a really good job. Carr is getting rid of the ball quickly, which always, like, that's how you get over injuries on the offensive line. But... The Raiders' offense is right up there with the best in the NFL, and yet nobody was talking about it before the start of the year, except us, because we mentioned how good that Gruden offense is last year, and we mentioned how good it is this year. Um, and I think people are, like, we're obviously, I'm a died in the world Raiders fan, I'm convincing you, and we'll talk about it later on, uh, about the benefits. And I'm actually breaking news right now. I've just got a text from uh, Tom Savage, who runs the Tree Red Kings rugby account. He has now decided that he needs he is. to explain his toast. Uh, well, his, his toast behavior is wild, but he is now committed to being a Raiders fan for the season. So we are growing the Raider Nation in Ireland. Um, and I feel like I'm doing Tom's this. On the podcast. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, look, it's it's just like, here's the thing, right? And again, I admit I'm biased, but you talk to any casual NFL fan, NFL is better when the Raiders are good. It just is. Like, 2016 was the best season in recent years, and everyone will say that. 
and it was because the Raiders were good. It was just an extra dimension. There's something about that silver and black that it just catches the eye and you ma- makes you want to see the highlights. And like, look, there's going to be people who don't rate Derek Carr. There's going to be people who don't rate John Gruden. But this team is going to cause some upsets this year. So I'm I'm really excited about what I've seen. And Carr for me was the the cash player of the week. Well. You said about John Gruden, people not rating him, but John Gruden certainly rates Derek Carr. I know we've just named him cash player of the week, but Gruden said after the game, I think Gruden's been around for a long time, he said he made some plays today that very few guys that I've coached could ever make. I tip my hat to him, he hung in there against a very multiple defence. We talked about this, the Saints defence is unbelievable, and as you said, Carr just, it was death by a thousand cuts at times. That's yeah, just like, my, my innocent observation looking at it. It was just like constantly chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it was a very impressive win. That's it. it was an absolutely impressive win. And like, yeah, this is, that's the criticism of Carr, right? That like it's a dink and dunk offense that takes too long. But like, they keep scoring. This is the thing. Like, he gets them up the field. Like, they started every drive nearly on the 25 yard line and they had a shot at the end zone on every single drive with the exception of the first two like there's very few quarterbacks in the league who can do that and rarely did they get turned down um so i like i'm i'm a massive fan and he's like he's nearly 75 percent completion rate as well which against mm. that saints defense is really really strong um so like look steve on Derek carroll if you want but i would have him over all bar maybe two or three quarterbacks in the league right now um we're going to segue on to the Saints and talk about Drew Brees because we wanted to talk about this. And then a brilliant listener, Rizzo, um, hello Rizzo from Twitter, he asked about Drew Brees and is he done? Yes, and we want to talk about this because like, I, I, I not, like, I, I, and that's not like not being like jumping the gun. Like Bill Walsh always said, Bill Walsh, one, like one of the most famous coaches in the NFL, said mm-hmm. quarterbacks quarterbacks fall off a cliff. They don't they don't gradually. Um, they don't gradually decline. Tom Brady has fooled us into thinking the quarterbacks gradually decline. Quarterbacks just fall off a cliff, and they usually fall off a cliff at the age of 40. Drew Brees is past the age of 40, right? He clearly was missing wide-open throws the night. Throws that two years ago he would have been making with his eyes closed. He was absolutely missing them. Um, and like I said, I've already mentioned the fact that he completely missed the fact that there was a Raiders linebacker standing in the Raiders logo and threw the ball five yards short of his receiver. Um, like this is there's a reason why legitimate NFL commentators were calling for James Winston to be involved at quarterback sooner rather than later. For, yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like we're just we we've become so like Brady has ruined quarterbacks for us all, and that's what we have to remember. Drew Brees, what's happened to Drew Brees this year is much more in line with what happened to quarterbacks than what happened to Brady. Um, it's the it's the Eli Manning thing. It's the Peyton Manning thing. It happened to them all. Like they literally, like Peyton Manning went from one of the best quarterbacks in the league overnight to being a, a basically a zombie carried by the rest of his team, and he won a Super Bowl. Fair enough, but. The Saints' defense is nowhere near what that Broncos' offense or that Broncos' defense was. So, mm-hmm. but like this is going to be a tough season, I think, for for Saints fans. Think this is his last then? You think he, he'll not hang about? Yeah, but he already has a deal, I think, with with one of the TV stations in terms of where he goes next. So, right. um, 
like I think I think it's going to be it's going to be TV for Drew Brees next year if not before then to be honest are you a Drew Brees fan? Um, yeah because he shouldn't have made it he shouldn't have had the career he had he, he won a Super Bowl which is amazing he was too short for the NFL um, and he came in and he did a really 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 good job problem was that Sean Payton never put a defense around him. The, the, the Saints offense was always really good because Drew Brees was really good. They never had a defense until the last like, three or four years when Brees had declined. And, and that's a real shame because there's no reason why Drew Brees couldn't have two or three Super Bowls. Um, uh, but I, I think he's, like, he's a really, really, really talented quarterback. He's just got to the end of the line. I know he has apologized for what went on uh, months back with some of the comments he made. Yeah. There's just things that got there. It should, maybe it should, maybe it should, but that that tarnishes things for me. So even though as a as a as an athlete, as a player, he's unbelievable. I still think like it's hard to root for him. It is, but like he has to, also donate, donated like a uh, lot of yes. money, you know, to charity yeah. and stuff like that, and and. Like that shouldn't absolve you of all your sins no, in, no. in other areas, but like, um, yeah, like I know, I I know what you're saying. Like there, there are often field issues with Drew Brees, but what he did for for the city of New Orleans, especially after Hurricane Katrina, was really really powerful. And and more athletes outside of the social justice issues should also be doing things like that for the cities in which they make millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, that maybe says more about me that I I should probably probably shouldn't hold on to that because he did apologize and he did actually sound apologetic sometimes people apologize with no this and it's like hmm. whereas he has actually he obviously realized he made a humongous error whether he believes that or not who really knows but he realized he made a humongous error his teammates seem his to be okay with and it. his black yeah. teammates and rightly so because that's what yeah. needs to happen like this true sign of a friendship is to be able to have difficult conversations with your friends yeah. if your friends are being arseholes you need to be able to tell them if you can't tell your friend that they're being an arsehole you're not really their friend like that's that to me is the definition of friendship like if i did something wrong i would expect you or rachel as we have later on on tell me that i've done wrong because you know me like you know what my values are like we don't like we never met in person but we know each other so well i think at this stage yeah. we're, we're basically talking every day and you know, we had an online conversation before then or whatever. Like, but like, I know where the line is for you. You know where the line is for me. And 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 Drew Brees crossed the line with his teammates because the majority of his teammates are African-American and experience all the shit that African-Americans, it doesn't matter how famous they are, how rich they are, they still experience the same shit that poor and middle-class African-Americans do. So, like, for him to not understand what, Colin Kaepernick was doing for him to not understand what Eric Reid was doing and outside of football from not understand what the NBA and LeBron James and all those people were doing like there's no excuse for it and he was rightly called out for it and and to be fair he did apologize and it was really it wasn't one of those I'm sorry you were offended apology it felt like a real apology so you know I'm not going to give anyone like lollipops for for doing the right thing after the fact but it, for me, it's not going to tarnish his reputation the, the way, say, um, 
the, the, the Steelers tackle Villanova and his attitude to Black Lives Matter, the way he, that's yeah. tarnished his reputation uh, and how unapologetic he's been and how he's treated his teammates, his, his, particularly his black teammates, like absolute shit. Um, like that to me is so much worse than what Breeze has done. Um, that I, yeah, I, giving him a pass is the wrong phrase, but you know what I mean. I, yeah, his play will elevate him above the concerns I have about him as a person. Yeah, it's it, it'll be sad when he is gone because, as someone that is small, <laughs> I've enjoyed what he has done as a quarterback, and and like there's been some of I'm sure when he does retire, we'll look back at his highlights, and everyone will in some of his moments because there's been some very special plays. Like so, I, I'm I'm with you on this, and I think Razor was as well, and a lot of other people are. Drew Brees coming to the end of the line, like this is unfortunately for him, unfortunately for the Saints. They're on a stage now. Like, could they tank and maybe get Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. Like, would they do that? Like, who knows? Like, it's we don't know what's going to happen this year, and it's still very early doors in the season, so you never know. Injuries could could let the Saints back into it too. You know what I mean? Brees could go on a bit of a run. You never know. But yeah, it looks like it's done there for Drew Brees and the Saints. Um. We've got a lot of things to get through for NFL because week two has gone off and there's been so many injuries we're talking about there. But there was a thing I picked up on, and um, now you would think I would wrote down what game this was, but they kept mentioning cover three defense, right? Yeah. So I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. So, so you're going to help me here. But when I look, at, when, when someone says cover three defense, I think in, 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 in people's terms, my terms, that would mean there are three deep defenders. Correct. Right. You've got it. You've cool. got cool. it already. Cool. You have. You have it already. Right. So when they talk about numbers in it, so if they say cover two or cover three, uh, or covers one, cover zero, that refers to the number of deep players in the defense, right? And it always refers to zone. So cover three is a mix of of of. Well, it's his own defense, but it's a mix of man and zone because even in the pure zone defense, the defensive line is always in man. They always have a linebacker or a running back that they that they their job is assigned to. So cover three is obviously three deep. Uh, so two safeties and a cornerback will play deep enough. What it does is it stacks the box. It puts four linebackers and or sorry, three linebackers and a defensive back usually. Um underneath the coverage so you got an eight-man box so primarily you use cover three to stop the run problem with cover three is as soon as i see it as an offensive coordinator i'm calling it pass play down the seams or verts because you've got these cover three zone means that the the three deep players covered three thirds of the field so the as you're looking at the play as the quarterback there's someone covering one third to the left someone is covering one third of the middle of the field and someone is covering one third of the right of the field but because of how they're spaced, there's gaps in the seams, which is the space between the left, the middle, and the seam is between the middle and the right. Um, and Tom Brady and Robin Krause with New England Patriots under Josh McDonald used to absolutely tear apart cover three because you throw a tight end seam um, all day. It's, it, it, it's right there. Uh, Verts is another one where you send four receivers deep. And because there's only three deep defenders, one of your receivers should be relatively free because it's a linebacker more than likely going to cover him um, in, on the play. So while you do cover three to stop the run and you theoretically have a defense against a long pass, 
as soon as I see cover three, I'm thinking touchdown because you're opening yourself up for a deep pass. Um, it's like it's a fine defense if you're coming up against a team that's primarily known to run the ball because if you're putting eight men in the box, and, and we've talked before about the box being like that area just behind the defensive line that you're trying to stop the runs in the middle of the field. Um, it's it, it is good for that if 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 you run if you run cover three and an offense runs the ball you should stop them from making positive yards. Um, but if I see that as an offense corner, I am throwing the ball long to my tight end because that those gaps are right there to be exposed. So, well, as soon as you see it, you just think gold. Basically, you just think right, bang, we're getting a score here. Yeah, pretty much. If I see cover, like cover two is the best defense you, you want to see. If you, I, if I see cover two, and a lot of um, Irish American football teams, particularly, run cover two because it is the most basic defense to install on day one. Um, but if I see cover three, I tell my quarterback, let's run one of our plays, which has at least the tight end running deep, if not more players running deep, because it's there to be exploited exactly for that. You run it with play action because you make the eight defenders in the box think it's a run play, so they they compress even further. And even if you don't score the touchdown, there's this huge space. Um, the way it's probably spaced out is that the defensive backs are about twelve yards back, so they're back behind the first down marker. If the if the the the, the four linebackers or the three linebackers and the cornerback come down because they think it's a run, you've got maybe six yards of space in the middle of the field to throw the ball into. So like it's definitely a thousand paper puts then that way because you just throw it and throw it and throw it. But with the goal to say, look if I can get my if if the middle safety and the right cornerback are covering their zones properly, my mm-hmm. tight end should just be able to run between them because they should neither of them should go to him. Because their their job in their own scheme is to stay where they are so my tight end should get away from them um, and that's what yeah I'm throwing to my tight end on play action if I see cover three all day so like this going to sound so stupid why would someone use it if it to stop the run if it because if you're beating me on the ground like the Raiders the other night were giving up eight yards on the ground against uh, the Saints but they went into cover three because they saw that Drew Brees wasn't actually able. Drew Brees didn't throw, didn't complete one pass over twenty yards the other night, which is unheard of for Brees, right? But what the Raiders did was they said, "All oh, right, we have to stop this. We have to stop the constant runs, the gains of eight yards to carry. Uh, so we'll sacrifice the deep pass because we don't believe you can throw the ball deep. That's why you do." So I, I know it wouldn't work for Dak Prescott, but you would use that then if, say, Daniel Jones had Zeke Elliott at his disposal. You just go cover three yeah. and trap him. So yeah, basically, you're, you're setting, setting a trap. Yeah, you're setting a trap. You're, you're saying to them, look, what, if you run cover three, what you're saying is we want you, to, you actually want them to throw the ball, ironically enough, because you're saying you can't, we're saying, if I'm running cover three as a defense coordinator, I'm saying to you, we don't believe you can throw the ball past it. That's why you run it. But, what happens far too often is they actually can't even a bad offense control the ball because they've got a tight end who can leak into the seam. Um, what you do normally, right, is you'd set it up. You wouldn't throw the deep ball straight away. If you're running cover three, um, what I'll do first of all is leak tight end into the middle of the field and I'll throw a slant or a hook. And then I'll make you think that that's the play. That's the play we're going to run. 
So Watton, who's the middle defensive back, or he's probably a strong safety, will go, okay, we're in cover three. They're going to throw a short pass to the tight end. So I'm going to cheat down a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to play the underneath pass. And that's when I tend my tight end or my slot receiver to go deep. Because if you're cheating down, it's really hard to get your momentum back, to turn around and go chasing after someone who's gone deep. Mm. And he has that step on you at all. Like he has at least one or two steps on you, if not more. And that's where you, that's where you get the easy score. Like I, I, I've seen it so often where the safety, especially the strong safety, thinks, "Oh fuck yeah, I've got this. I'm going to make a massive run stop here, or I'm going to make a, a really, I'm going to make an interception. So I'm going to pick off the slant and I'm going to come down and get it. And then all of a sudden, the fucking tight end or the slot receiver is gone by him, and he's going, "Oh, I was just doing my job." And yet he's given up a, a thirty or forty yard play, like if not more, if not a touchdown. So, so like. I know why defenses do it. You have to really trust the fact that it's going to be a run play. That's the only reason to do it is that the other team can only run the ball or that their quarterback is not good enough to throw the ball deep. Fair enough. I just There you go. For Coach's Corner this week, that was a, a bit of defense chat for once. I thoroughly enjoyed that because I, I, I'm going to keep doing this, folks. Every time I hear something, I'm going to ask Dave to be in the podcast so I can pick these nuggets up. Before we move on, because we have a few more list of questions, which are great, and thanks everyone for always getting involved. Um, how did your fantasy teams get on this week? I had a good week this week. I had six and one, I think it was, over the seven teams. Ah. Yeah, and, and then I only lost that one game because on the last two plays of the Monday Night Football game, uh, Drew Brees threw two stupid checkdown passes to Alvin Kamara. And he got yeah. two points for each reception. Uh, I got a point for each reception. And then he got the, the 20 yards. And that was enough to beat me by one point. Um, but I didn't really care because obviously the Raiders won the game. But yeah, that was a bit frustrating. But yeah, no, I had a good week fantasy-wise. And I know you did because I texted you at like uh, 4.30 in the morning to tell you that Darren Waller... I predicted what Darren Waller's stat line was going to be before the game. Um, I think I did I say six for 74 yards and a touchdown, and at one stage mm-hmm. he was eight for 79 yards and a touchdown, so I wasn't too far off. Like, you weren't at all, yeah. Um, uh, so on my fancy this week, anyone, anyone playing with the one team this season, uh, in the Yaya Bowl, big up everyone in the Yaya Bowl, and I was playing against Kalen, I think it was, and uh, so we went into the last Monday night game, and I was the only one that had a player left, and it was Darren Waller. Uh, of our brilliant, beautiful Raiders, and I was 12 points down, folks. So I was thinking, I have a bit of a chance, obviously, here because Darren Waller started the season very well, and he's been used quite a bit by Derek Carr, so all I needed was a couple of receives, uh, maybe a touch, whatever it was, just needed to get over the line. 13 points all I was aiming for. Steve obviously texted me half four. I woke up very shortly after that with, with beautiful Fimbo, and he'd got 28 points. <laughs> He absolutely had one as a tight end, which was a brilliant. Um, I can't believe I've got him. Actually, he seems to be a bit of a steal, and so I was delighted. So I'm back in it now, one for one, one and one in in fantasy league this week. Although, a bit of bad news for me was a sick one. Barkley blew his knee to bits, but I managed to pick up the Jer- uh, what do you call him? Jared. Uh, hang on, I get his name right because no. Uh, Jarek McKinnon. Oh, Jarek McKinnon from the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I picked up Jarek McKinnon in at right, in at right running back, so I'm happy enough with that. 
Um, I'm going to leave him there to start with. And obviously, Kyler Murray is my quarterback. I'm going to talk about him very soon. So, yeah, happy enough. Um, a tough game this week, though. Again, I think it's Simon I'm playing against in our league, and he's quite his team's quite decent. So we'll see. Um, I'm well, optimistic. Like, but... Quite decent, but like I think last week showed this is not a season like any other, and no. it, you might look like you've got your fantasy team absolutely nailed on, and injuries are just going to decimate it. Yep. Which, uh, especially if you're a San Francisco 49er uh, fan and your team has to go back to the. <laughs> that hellhole and play again this week which just seems quite unfair um so yes that's the fancy chat this week because it's a little brief one because we've so much to cover we've got some brilliant listener questions rise again has sent us two and i'm gonna i'm gonna give him the airways for this because i think it's only fair and they're brilliant questions so the first one he asked us steve um which is it's quite a long one actually like but he's asked us anyway who do we think at the end of the season is going to lead the league in passing, catching, and rush, rushing yards? Uh, Aaron Rodgers in passing. And, uh, nice. Calvin Ridley in receiving. And it's going to be basically last man surviving in terms of rushing, but I'm going to say Zeke. I think he's built sturdier than the other running backs. Um, although, do you know what? Okay, I'm going to say Josh Jacobs for, for rushing. Oh, interesting. Um, <sighs> passing and <laughs> Keller Murray. <laughs> oh, my God. What a surprise. <laughs> no, um, no uh, actually, I won't. Passing, I think it'll be Dak Prescott. No, Ooh. I won't. Um, no, well, I'll go. I'll go with Dak Prescott. Um, I think Dak Prescott's gonna have a good season. I think he's gonna have a great year. Like I don't, I don't think or want the Cowboys to win it. And I know what Aaron Rodgers is gonna do. And I know obviously he has Zeke, an unbelievable weapon that he can use as well. But I, I don't know. I just think Dak has it in him. I think to prove a lot of people wrong. Like he, he has a lot of doubters about it, and and people always write him off for different things. And I think he has it in him. So I hope he does because I quite like Dak Prescott. Um. Catching, 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 catching. I honestly don't know who can win catching. I don't know who I pick. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, because he's playing with the MVP, so that's gonna happen. Um, and rushing, um, rushing. See, we're going to have no running backs, as you said, left. Yeah, no, that's, from Zeke. I think Jacobs will survive. I think Jacobs is healthy enough. So I'll go with only because he's in my team and because I want him to have the unreal season. I'll go with uh, Miles Sanders from the Eagles. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but I'll just go with Miles Sanders because Miles Sanders is in my team. So if he has an unbelievable <laughs> uh, running season and rushing season, and I'll have an unreal fancy season. So I'll go with Miles Sanders. Which I think is a mad shout. It but, is a mad shout, yeah. Uh, the Eagles need something to go for them. Because it doesn't look great for Carson Wentz. The and that offensive line, which I flagged weeks ago, is so bad. Very. So he also asked, Reza also asked, do we think COVID is a threat to the Super Bowl? Um, 
they've done incredibly well to have no positive tests among the players um, after two weeks. Mm-hmm. I still think it's like they've 200,000 deaths, they've 4% of the world's population and 25% of the world's deaths, so it's still a problem. Um, I think I made a prediction on this podcast that the Super Bowl would not be played, and I'm not, not 100% convinced that that was the wildest prediction in the world, but I'm more optimistic about it happening now than I was in the start of the season. But yeah, there's, there's absolutely, I would say there's a 15% chance that it doesn't be played. Uh, yeah, it's 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 such a hard one because, like for instance, France announced earlier that they had sixteen thousand new cases today. So you're thinking, right? And uh, France sort of feel like they've dealt with it okay compared to the absolute horror that's going on in America and how they're treating it. So I don't know. I'm optimistic. And I think the NFL, to be fair to them, and the teams have done unbelievable. I think they've done really well on how they've they've sort of managed it. And if you watched All or Nothing with the Rams and the Chargers, how they get on with the tests and stuff and how they look after each other. So I think there will be a Super Bowl. Now, will there be fans at that? I'm not sure. I don't know how you do it without fans, but who knows what stage we're at in February. Hopefully for all of us, we're on top of it. We're managing it, and um, everyone else is safe. But uh, we'll see. It's 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 such a weird twenty twenty, such a weird year. Yeah. Um. So who who the fuck knows? But yeah, decent questions. All the same. Hopefully we get it because I want to book it off and it's around Finn Bo's birthday as well. So um, I'll be wanting some time off to watch the Raiders win a Super Bowl. Um. We had Scott Buchanan from the Craig Avon Cowboys. Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. Stop listening to my offensive advice, please. Thank you. <laughs> and he asked, um, what's going to happen first? Kyler Murray for the MVP or Bill O'Brien sacked? Oh. <laughs> um, so, part of me doesn't want to say Kyler Murray because of your Kyler work, Kyler Murray and Mike Klein. Uh, be the Texans second Bill O'Brien season. That's a tough one. No, fuck it. It's going to be Bill O'Brien first because Murray's not winning the MVP this year. It's going to be Derek Carr or. Um, I don't yeah. know why you hate him. I don't hate him. Um, I just. I don't think we have seen uh, the Cardinals play a really good team yet. I, we, I, I, the Washington professional football team are a trash franchise, so we can't give them any credit for that. And they've got a really good record against San Francisco 49ers, so I struggle to give them credit for that. So, look, Conor Murray is going to be a really good player. He was the number one overall draft pick. It's not like he's nobody. But Bill O'Brien is top four, top five worst coaches in the NFL and definitely top one or two worst GMs in the NFL. So a bit of running getting sacked first is going to happen first, I think. Yeah, as much as I want to see Kyler Murray win an MVP soon, because uh, I drive the, I actually drive the Murray Choo Choo train, which you're going to hear about in our NBA chat. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Bill O'Brien should probably be sacked now. Uh, he's hanging on there when he, he, he probably shouldn't. Uh, 
Um, and it'd be interesting to see how the Texans get on in a couple of games and whether that goes. But again, like because of the season that we're in, the teams want to get rid of a manager now and just maybe see this season out and maybe it's a bit of stability teams might need going forward. Who the fuck? I don't, we don't know. So it won't be Kyler Murray. The first thing that'll happen before these two will be Bill O'Brien probably not be at the Texans anymore, I'd imagine. No, you no. Just my own question for you, Steve. Um, I'm actually going to change my running back uh, prediction as well, but I'm going to go with uh, Nick Chubb. There you go. Um, is this the best pool of quarterbacks you've ever seen? No, the golden generation is still the, the Breeze, Rogers, Roethlisberger, uh, Manning, uh, Rivers, Brady. Like that's going to be such a hard like couple of draft drafts to beat. But what I think is they're a different type of um, they're a different type of quarterback, and that's what I'm really like. I like when I first started writing with the NFL. Um, we had very few black quarterbacks. And I think the fact that three of the five best quarterbacks in the league right now are, are black and African-American is such a positive thing. It has to be a good thing and it has to be encouraged because the next inevitable step is that we'll have black coaches. Um, and black quarterbacks is your way into black head coaches. And that, like with 75% of the league being African-American, that's the way it has to go. So like from a, a purist point of view, no, I don't think it is the best we've ever seen, but like the standard of quarterback play right now is incredible. Like Mahomes, Jackson, uh, Wilson, uh, your boy Murray. Um, it's, it's just great to see. It's just unbelievably good to see. And it's enjoyable. Like, it's really fun to watch. It's really hard to root against any of those players, uh, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, who I hate because he's in the Raiders division, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it, it, it's, just, it's just hard to, to kind of not want them to, to succeed. Um, because, A, it's fun to watch and it's good to watch. It's great football. But B, it also fucking, it annoys the right people. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. Like you ran them off. There. So we have Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray. There's a shift, like there's a change. I think in, you know better than me, but I think in maybe four, five, six years time, Russell Wilson already has one. Mahomes has one. Jackson will get one. Well, yeah. You know, Watson, Prescott, Murray, they'll have chances. I think, I, I, I said this last week, I think that Watson is the best pure QB of the yeah. lot. He just has the worst yeah. coaching. Like, if he had Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, if he had Kyle Shanahan, if he, if he even had Andy Reid, like, he would be doing yeah. so much better than he's doing. Yeah. Um, it's just a bit of Ryan factor, like, um, right, we're going to change tack now. We're going to talk about the NBA because it has been going off. Yes. Um, Tyler Hero and Jamal Murray have had a big bubble. Yeah. The Nuggets are back on tonight against the Lakers. They've brought it back to 2-1. Really, 
what the Nuggets should do is let the Lakers win tonight. Because they're so, tired. So it goes 3-1 and then just sucker punch them like they've done everyone else. The other night, uh, when they came back and won, it was a brilliant performance by the Nuggets. If I was a Lakers fan, though, I'd be worried with how tired my team looked. Did you not, did you not pick that up? A little, but like they played less games than anyone else in the bubble, so they shouldn't be tired. I just felt like they took. We spoke before with the Raiders, the, the Raiders do best. The Lakers taking game one off, and I felt like they just took that game the other night off instead of game one. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, what we're seeing from Jamal Murray is unprecedented. It's up there with Steph Curry in 2015. But the Lakers are the best team in that series and it's not even particularly close, I don't think. Um, I think the Lakers will come through that in the next two games and, and be sitting there waiting for whatever happens in the East. I mean, think I think the Heat are the best team in the East, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a, a 4-1, 4 one Conclusion in that series in the East either, um. But yeah, like I, I, I know what you're saying about the Lakers seeming tired, but I just felt like they just they played in third gear the other night, and that's allowed sometimes, especially in the long series. Do, would you build the impression that we're about something special from LeBron James this evening? Yeah, I think we're going to see like a thirty-five point game. A 35-point triple-double from the wrong James Stephen. And that's such a hostage-to-fortune thing because by the time people listen to this, they'll know I'm wrong. Um, but I feel like he, oh, like AD has kind of run this series so far, and I feel like LeBron, LeBron needs to take something from it. Yeah. I, I'm of that impression, too, that I think tonight, the, the, the Nuggets... No, if the Nuggets win tonight... They're gonna not that they haven't earned it because obviously you have, but if they win tonight, I think they're gonna have to have beaten a very very good Lakers performance. I could just and like well we're gonna touch on your on your latest piece as well that uh, you've done on your on your Medium blog I think as well. LeBron has been at such the forefront of some of these social issues and Jamal Murray is brilliant too and a lot of people involved as well don't get me wrong but I can just it's the type of thing and the type of mood that's happening in America at the minute that LeBron I can just think he'll hone it and he'll come out and he's done this so many times when things have been said about him things have gone on he didn't win MVP he's not happy about that there and he just decided no, like you'll know as a Warriors fan he was completely written off in that final game do you know what I mean? I thought it's it's going to be it's not an oracle, it's Golden State Warriors. They're going to do this, and he was unbelievable that night. Even though Kyrie obviously got the winning shot, LeBron had the block. The block won that series. The block yeah, won is, that yeah. series, and that was LeBron, and it was his will to not stop. And as much as I do, I want to see LeBron win it, but I don't necessarily want to see the Lakers win it, which is weird, I know, but. Um, I think we'll see something very, very, very special later. And I cannot wait to wake up tomorrow morning <laughs> and watch highlights of it because there's not a chance I'll be able to sit up through it. No, I, 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 I'm, I, I know by the my child is going through like his four months deep progression at this stage, so I know I'm going to wake up during some of it. Um, a part of me will like be itching to check, but I'm actually going to leave it in the morning and, and kind of watch it spoiler-free in the, 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 the highlights in the morning, I think. Yeah. 
But I think, well, yeah, I, I feel, I just feel like there's a LeBron game coming. And I feel like if it's a Heat Lakers finals, which I'm still fully convinced that that's what it will be, that we're in for a LeBron finals. Because like, we've, had, we've had LeBron games in finals before. And obviously, when the Cavs won, that was like almost in LeBron, a LeBron final. I feel like if he did it on the Lakers, it just means that much more than when he did it with the Cavs. Yeah. I... This is my scalding hot take. Go on. For the week. I think the Heat are going to win it. It's, uh, people, can't, people can't see Steve here, but he's just tinned uh, <laughs> Bulmers in, <laughs> in pure anger at me there. <laughs> I, think, I, I have to think of Brett to, 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 I, I, like, look, I have been so impressed. Go on, go on. Right. The Heat have been They've been they've been amazing in this bubble. Don't get me wrong. So the Lakers have been steady, but their steady is at such a high level because of the two boys they have, plus Rondo. I know. But I look at that Heat team: Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, and Tyler Hero. At the minute, as a team, I think they're much better as a team than the Lakers. The Lakers have obviously AD and LeBron, two maybe the top three, top five players in the league. As a whole, there's just something about this team. Heat team, they're infectious. Like, I, I even though Goran Dragic wasn't uh, unbelievable, the he still managed 20 points. There's just something about the dragon, like, that he's just so likable. And I know you're a humongous fan, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And I think when he gets in, and I think I think they will beat uh, tomorrow night, the Celtics, and they'll beat them 4 1. And I think when he gets into this finals, you're going to see another animal in Jimmy Butler. And I can just see this Heat team with Bolstra just causing such a massive upset against the Lakers. Yes. You've. <laughs> your reasoning is sound, and your reasoning is all the reasons I felt like the Heat could make the finals in the first place. But. I just think we've gotten to a stage where there are 10 to 15 players left in, oh, if we get to the finals, I'd say, and say it's the, it's the Lakers versus the Heat, which we all expect. There are 15 to 20 players left, and the Lakers have two of the best four or five in the league, and that's going to be the difference. Like, this, this, this is a, a sport played by five people for most of the game. LeBron will play 98% of the minute. Uh, AD will play 90% of the minute. I don't think that he can live with that. Uh, and I think that's where the difference is going to be because like Tyler Hero has been absolutely amazing for the Miami. Jimmy Butler has been brilliant for the Miami. But it's not going to be good enough because the Lakers have two of the best players to ever play the game. Not just the best players made, two of the best to ever play it. But that's such a huge advantage to have. And they're doing it all in a season where, let's not forget, Kobe Bryant died uh, tragically, yeah. tragically. And the Lakers have that, and that means something. Um, it's not tangible. It's not something you can measure in plus minus. It's not something that you can you kind of can attribute to, to the points per minute or anything like that. But you can tell it's in the back of LeBron James' mind. You can tell it's in the back of AD's mind. Um, and I think that's going to be different. And like, look, I'm as a Warriors fan, I don't want the Lakers winning. I, I, 
but I like I love LeBron and, and I do want LeBron to win as many titles as he can because I'm LeBron over Jordan. That is my like very very clear position on the the greatest of all time, uh, and for him to win it with a third different team is just such a powerful achievement. So I, I like I'm biased towards it that way, um. But just from a like a neutral analysis point of view, I still think they're so clearly the best team left in it that um, I'd be stunned if it was not other than the Lakers win overall in like six. Yeah, I know it's so boring. It's so like they're not like I know it's boring, but like we like playoff series. Like that go seven. I don't know if they're as enjoyable as where one team dominates because then you know that they are the best team. And even the year, like the the the, the Cavs beat the Warriors. Like there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that the Warriors were the best team in the NBA that year. The Cavs just happened to win one series against them. That was it. Like the Warriors. I think the, Warrior, the Warriors team. were the best last year as well. Yeah. Easily, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, and that's nothing on, on Raptors fans. Like, and that was a brilliant win for Raptors fans. I'm not trying to take it away, but I think like if Ke- like it's all um, ifs and buts. Like, but if Katie doesn't get injured, yeah, Steph doesn't he get beats, injured. Clay doesn't get injured. Like, yeah, he yeah. Um, so well, we'll see. I just there's there's this Miami team. I've just talked to them. Um, I really I keep saying this on the podcast. I want a Miami Heat jersey like very soon. Uh, I just took. They're just such an infectious team. Like they're just, uh, like there's not one of them I could not not really like at the minute. You know what I mean? And like even Bam, so many teams passed up on Bam. Yeah. So many teams passed up on Tyler Hero. Yeah. You know, Duncan Robinson came out of nowhere. Jimmy Butler was passed around, fell out with everyone. Minnesota made him play with a third string team, and he still beat the first five. Uh, he was obviously dumped left from Chicago and different things. Then the whole thing in Philadelphia fell apart and different things. And I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant story. I really, really hope that they finish off the Celtics tomorrow night and they get there, and yeah. then we'll see what happens from there. Like, like Tyler Hero, like the Ringer had a really good piece about like how you know his time has come way before it's been like it's due. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Like you know, like he literally got death threats for the, the, the college basketball team he, he chose because he decommitted from the Wisconsin Badgers and stuff like that. Um, obviously 13th pick overall or something in the NBA draft. Like, yeah, 13th like, to 14th. Yeah. yeah, like I think he's a phenomenal offensive player, but I think he can be got at defensively and I don't think enough teams have kind of exploited that just yet. Um, and that's where I think the Lakers the, the, the kind of the nice of the, the the Lakers. Now, like, he's a very similar player to Murray, and we saw what Murray can do when he kind of hits form against the Lakers, and that's a, that's a worry offensively. But I think defensively, I think he's there to be taken. And, I, like, there we are. Like, look, we're... This time next week, we could look stupid because it could be it could be a Nuggets Celtics final. Like, you know, for all we know, mm-hmm. But I think it feels. I, I would be stunned. We're recording this on obviously Thursday evening, like, and you're not going to hear it after Friday evening or, or Saturday morning, and it, it's going to sound really stupid. But I'd be stunned if the Lakers happened to take in the three-one lead. Um, 
and it's going to be a Lakers Heat final. So that's why we're talking this way. And and, and forgive us if we're completely wrong about that. But I really, I just really want to see Spolstra versus LeBron because we know as much as the coaching that goes on in the Lakers, this is LeBron's team. LeBron decides the offensive plays. LeBron decides the defensive plays. Everything is done because LeBron is there and he's the best player in the league. Um, so just from that, like I, I saw Romani Jones um, of ESPN tweeting today that like the Celtics Lakers is the dream final for the NBA, and I'm thinking it's the dream final if you're Bill Simmons and you live in the 1980s, and 1990s, like of, of basketball, because. Who doesn't want to see LeBron going up against a team where he finally made the breakthrough? Like that to me is like if you if you're looking for a narrative, that's the one you want you you really want to see. So I've seen enough of LeBron with his Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen I enough. Like. Yeah, I don't care. Like, and you know, we have very similar feelings about Celtics, so maybe we're the worst podcast to be talking about this. Um, but yeah, like for me. I would happily not have the Celtics in any finals ever again. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the Heat will get through. I think the Lakers will get through. Spolstra v LeBron will be so interesting. Pat Riley v LeBron. Mm. Pat Riley v the Lakers, which is another wee little side note. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler against the Lakers. It it has all the makings to be a great finals, even if it does, as you say, finish four two. Yeah. To the Lakers, they'll still be great games. So. We'll see what happens. Like as I said, this podcast will be going out um on probably Friday or Saturday morning. We have a little bit coming up next where we pre-recorded with Rachel O'Neill, as I said, the start of the show from uh, Disturbing the Peace podcast. However, before we go, um, you did now. You, you can take over from this, or I can. I don't mind. No, you work late. <laughs> you uh, your latest piece uh, on your blog, um. So everyone knows Steve does a weekly NFL preview because um, he's one of the best to do it. And I'm going to read Steve's piece now to you folks because I think it's very important that um, you hear it. Now, again, I'm not saying you have to buy into what we say or how we feel. I would never say it to anyone, but I do think it's important you read this and whatever. If anyone's annoyed by it, for fucks to you, um, or annoyed by us talking about stuff like this here, this isn't a podcast for you. I don't care if you don't listen ever again. That's just how I feel. But anyway, <clears throat> so you've done this, Stephen, and I'm going to read it now. Is that okay? Yeah, we're fine. So, there was no justice for Breonna Taylor and no NFL Week 3 preview by Steve O'Rourke. Um, right. 65 years ago this week, the trial of Roy Bryant and his half-brother, J.W. Millam, for the kidnap, torture and murder of 14-year-old Emmett Till came to an end. With the jury sent for deliberations, an hour later, the all-male, all-white jury allowed the pair to walk free. The half-brothers had been on trial for brutally murdering Till after Caroline Bryant, wife of Roy, accused him of whistling at her in a store and grabbing her by the waist. In a 2017 book, Bryant told Timothy Tyson that part's not true about the allegations he assaulted her. To make matters worse for the Till family, four months after the trial, and confident that they could not be prosecuted twice for the same crime under the double jeopardy rule, Millam and Bryant admitted to abducting, baiting, and murdering Till in Look magazine, an admission they received $4,000 for. Let that last line sink in before I move on, folks. They received $4,000 to admit what they had done. 
and these men were still free. A lifetime later, despite this admission, Till's family have yet to see a single minute of time served by anyone or receive a single penny of compensation for the murder of Emmett, yet those two received £4,000 to tell some magazine what they had done. Again, let that sink in. It was hard not to think of Till this week as more as more than six months after Taylor was shot to death by Louisville police officers, a grand jury decided to indict only one of the three officers involved on first-degree wanton endangerment charges. This charge applies. The, the charge applies to the risk put on Taylor's neighbours, but does not aim to hold the officer responsible for her death. In other words, he was charged for firing off stray bullets, basically. Am I am I right there, Stephen? Is that? Yeah. He was not charged for killing the girl, which he did do. He was then charged for firing off stray bullets, getting away with it. Just so as Steve puts out, just think about that for a second. The only charge in this case relates to the bullets that did not kill Breonna Taylor, and yet still, there are those who wonder why black athletes and their allies kneel when 65 years later, it's easier to get justice as a win as a window or a wall than it is to get as a person of color. Today's game of the week, Breonna Taylor, say her name. 6 p.m. kickoff, worth watching on Game Pass. Breonna Taylor, say her name. TV games that are on far too late for people on this side of the Atlantic. Breonna Taylor, say her name. Games you'll only watch on Red Zone for, for fantasy implications. Breonna Taylor, say her name. I don't really think we need to say much more on what came out of Louisville. Um... I don't even know how you sum it up. Like you've, I think you've summed it up perfectly and brilliantly in your piece there, Stephen. I, it shocked me, which is why I wanted to read it to everyone else because I thought it was brilliant. <coughs> Pardon me. But for the the similarities from a case from 65 years ago to shows how far that country that we both love, like and love so much from it, just has not come on. Yeah, like nothing has changed. Like, Absolutely nothing has changed. Like the Emmett Hill thing, like for for the anniversary of that like jury decision, in less than an hour, like this, they took less than an hour. Despite the fact that they were openly telling people they had done this, they were found innocent of of his abduction, of his beating, of his murder, absolutely brutal murder. She came out later on and said he didn't wolf whistle, he didn't put his arm around her, he didn't do any of these things that she said. They profited off it. They made four thousand dollars in, you know, sixty five years ago, which is the equivalent of like fifty or sixty thousand dollars now. His family had never got justice and like sixty five years they've been waiting for justice. And then you see Brianna Taylor's family and they're still like six months ago, like it was so obvious what happened. They 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 went into a property, they saw a black man, they assumed it was the person they wanted to arrest, and they just started shooting indiscriminately. They shot 32 bullets into that apartment, six of which landed in Brianna Taylor's body and killed her. Um, and the only charge in the entire case is for the property that or the bullets that hit her white neighbours because they damaged the wall, because they damaged the window. Her, she was a 26-year-old black emergency room technician who did nothing wrong except live at an address that her ex-boyfriend used to live at. And the police decided that was enough. She died for the crime of being black. And that is not good enough 
in 2020. It's not good enough that her family will never see justice. It's not good enough that people will say all lives matter because all lives can't matter until we value black lives as much as we value windows and doors. And like the, the reason, I, like if you read the piece, like the, the bit about the the windows and doors is pulled out uh, into a full quote more than the rest of it. It's because we have legitimately just said that the bullets that didn't shoot her are more important than the bullets that killed her. Um, and I I can't understand why we live in that world. Um, to me, it's just so unjust. And the only thing we can do, uh, and the only thing we can ask is that, you know, people get out and vote in the US and people get out and vote like really, really clearly against the Republican Party. The Green Party have decided that they are white supremacists, that they are Nazis, and even moderate Republicans like absolutely fuck them because they support a fascist president who has decided if if Donald Trump said what he said last night, which is that you wouldn't engage in a peaceful transfer of power to whoever got him in an election happened in China or happened in an African country, people would legitimately lose their mind and say, this is a failed state, this is something we need to yeah. think about. The fact it's happening in front of our, and he's telling us, he's telling us he's a racist, he's telling us he's, he's locking children in fucking cages, and um, he's like making women who come across the border from South America have hysterectomies against their decision, against their choice. This is the cruelest of cruels, and we're writing it off as, oh, it's me, a gas laugh because he wears fake hands, he's funny hair, and he's beyond the attention. Like, absolutely fuck this shit. Um, 65 years, but more, like 100, like 400 years of African origin Americans forced into slavery and they died from that. And before that, like we like I saw this thing in the rounds like during the week that COVID is now the fourth most uh fourth biggest killer of Americans after the Spanish flu, the Civil War and World War Two World War One. Uh, and you know, well what about the fucking massacre of Native Americans? What about slavery? Like people forget about people because they have brown skin, because they have black skin. Like I'm just just so tired. That's why I couldn't write an NFL preview this week. Like I fully intended. I texted you yesterday. I fully intended on doing a really positive NFL article about like LGBTQ plus efforts in in the NFL because they've really done a really good job on that. But you have the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're talking like they're talking about like loyalty to their their black quarterback, and yet at the same time they're booing the most basic. Protest again, that pro Black Lives Matter protest, and it's just so disheartening to see. Like. It's just not, it's, yeah, like we're fed up and we're too like white Irish men. Mm. Like so, all we can do is just like you just keep doing your articles, and we'll keep talking about it, and we'll keep pushing for it. And um, I'm really pleased that. The Premier League are still doing their knee, and I know people have come out this week and said it's maybe it's obviously not enough, and it isn't enough, but mm. it's still highlighting it, which is the most important thing. It, the, the worry is that the flame goes out and we stop highlighting it, but it looks like this isn't going to happen, which is the best thing. So, listen, folks, I always tell anyone, everywhere, and anyway, and I tweeted about it earlier. 
always read Steve's stuff, and that's not just me saying it because he's my mate and I'm being biased, but do always read his stuff because there's always something to get from it. Like, and especially this week, it's very important and powerful. Um, we're gonna move on. We will finish the show with uh, Rachel O'Neill, which is a hilarious hoot of a laugh, um, because she's brilliant and she stands by the readers. Um, so Steve. I will see you again next week. Uh, thanks as always for coming on. We love doing this show. Long may continue. We had a bit of good response about a hot mic show or a, a live show, sorry. Um, so we'll hopefully get that organised in the up and coming weeks. And thanks everyone for continuing to listen. Up next is myself and Steve with the brilliant regional Neil talking about being an NFL fan and following the Raiders and catch us all again next week and good luck. So we are joined by a very special guest, Rachel O'Neill, on the podcast as me and Steve this week from the Disturbing the Peace podcast and also part of the Shut Up Steve army. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> I think I found that army. Hello. <laughs> um, Stephen, Rachel's on because you have tricked both of us to become Raiders fans. Hang on, I think you'll find that the Raiders are one of eight teams in the NFL that are 2-0 and and undefeated, so you're both good luck terms for the Sorry, Raiders. Sorry, just, just to interrupt immediately on that, we're two games into the season, as people have been going on about for the Premier League in this week, like we're two games into the season, let's just calm the fuck down for a it's second. Two, it's two games into 16 games, it's a lot mm-hmm. different than 38 games in the Premier League. That means League. you still have 14 games to go, so there's a myriad of ways you can fuck this up, my friend. Absolutely not, no, the Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl, it's, it's guaranteed. <laughs> Um, so Rachel, you're watching uh, the NFL on Sunday, paying attention to the NFL, sorry, on Sunday, yeah. um, because I'm sure you've seen it before, like, how did you find it, watching it, did you, did you enjoy it, or did you find, because sometimes when I'm watching, even though I'm a big fan, I find myself tuning out sometimes if I'm watching Red Zone, depends on what's going on, but how did you find it then as a new fan? So this all came about through a very a very lovely friend of mine called Kevin lent me his Sky Go login so I could watch the Premier League. And then I was like to Steve, oh, I have access to Sky Sports now, which means I can watch the NFL. And Steve was like, NFL, NFL, NFL. And he was like, he's been like, me and Steve have been very good friends for about a year and a half now, longer maybe. And he was like, oh, you should watch an NFL game with me. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Because we can't, we, we've been talking about it for months, but like we haven't been able to do it with COVID and stuff like that. So we were like, I was like, fine, okay, I'll watch this. So I was like, what's the game on Sky? And it was like, it was the Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings versus, I keep thinking it was the Denver Broncos, but it wasn't. No, it was the Colts. The Colts, thank you. Yeah. And um, so I flipped this on because I've been watching the Liverpool game. So I, that overran. And I flipped it on and I was like, kind of watching it. And I was like, this is shite. Like, what the fuck is this? Like... <laughs> Like, cause like, <laughs> I was like, they just, the Vikings couldn't do it. Like I've watched the Super Bowl before in the sense that I've gotten to the first half and fallen asleep at the halftime yeah. show and then gone to bed. So I was like, okay, well at least it's not a reasonable time. But I was watching and I was like, the Vikings can't do anything. And the Colts are fine, but they're not really doing that much. And, and then Steve kind of came on WhatsApp and laughed like the first quarter. He's like, how are you getting on? I was like, this is terrible. He goes, yeah, this isn't a great game. So I was there asking bits about the rules that I wasn't clear about and stuff like that. And it was actually, it was, it was fine. Because what I discovered was Sky had this wonderful pundit called Rob Ryan, who I'm sure everyone's familiar with, who I'd never come across before. So I was like fascinated by Rob Ryan more than anything, because he's like my big uncle, I guess, in some kind of way. Like, I don't actually have a big uncle, but that's what he reminds me of. And I found that him quite entertaining. And he was like, well, this is like, he wasn't saying this is shite, but he was kind of saying this is shite in his own kind of way. Yeah. So then Steve was like, the second game was was much better because it was the Ravens versus the, oh my God, why can't I not remember? Team. 
The Texans, yeah, sorry. And obviously, like you said, so Rowan, my brother, is a big fan of the Texans. And he was like, he didn't try to convince me to support the Texans in fairness to him. But um, it was actually just a much better game. Like, you could see the quality of it much more because there was an actual competition going on between the the offense and the defense. And you could see that because the Vikings weren't bringing any kind of offense to it. They were just shit. As, and then the Colts were just like there being like, well, we can take advantage of this and this is fine. Whereas at least with, with the other game, you could actually see that there was strategy involved. You could see that, the like, obviously Lamar Jackson was playing, which made it infinitely more interesting because, like, I've listened to captains over the years. So I've kind of got absorbed some of the NFL. So I know who Lamar Jackson is. So I just found him fascinating to watch. And I found this whole thing of, like, just a genuine kind of thing of, okay, so he's going to throw the ball there, but he might not throw the ball there, and he's going to run around, and oh my God, they've got him in the pocket. Like, I just found that interplay more interesting. So it wasn't, like, blowing my mind interesting, but it was definitely more absorbing than I thought it would be, which is a really long-winded answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, the first game game was, like, it was atrocious, and we had a discussion where I, I literally told her, like, I think two minutes into the second quarter. You can turn this off. I, I don't expect you to actually watch the end of this. Um, but then there was a safety in the game. And, like, Rachel had never seen a safety. in an, Like, we, we've watched the Thanksgiving games together before. And she hadn't seen a safety before. So it was like explaining what that was. And that was a new element to the sport that she'd never seen before or whatever. So even in a bad game, things can happen that you can kind of... I'm not saying make make it more interesting, but at least it's a topic of conversation. And you're right, like the like I don't watch Sky Sports because I don't like the Sky Sports pundit, but I like Rob Ryan because of the fact that if a game is bad, he doesn't try to sell it as good. He'll just be honest about how poor it is or whatever. And that's really refreshing because, you know, normally the Sky model is everything we do is great and this is brilliant. Um so I think like I think Red Zone it might be a bit too early for the 6 p.m. red zone for Rachel. I think it might be too intense. <laughs> um, but I think if if I think the next step in in her her NFL fandom is the, the the nine o'clock red zone, where there's only three or four games. It means there's always something happening, but it's not too intense. It's not a sensory overload. Mm. And I think you'll see then the benefits of when it's flipping between the games. You'll see a lot more. You, you don't have the ad breaks for a start, so that's amazing. Um, but also you kind of see a lot more variance in the type of play because you've got very different quarterbacks, very different teams um, and it becomes a bit more interesting that way as well I prefer the, the 9pm red zone uh, you highlighted why basically Steve uh, because it's there's not as much going on and like it must be it must be my ADHD or whatever it is going on because as soon as I see loads of flash and colour, my head goes everywhere and stuff coming on the screen and I forget what's going on in this game and then I'm like, what happened? And then I'm next time in the kitchen get making a toasty. You know what I mean? I come back in and I'm like, I fucking missed everything that's going on here. What's going on? So I prefer that. And sometimes even at nine o'clock, I'll just check in on the game because usually it's a good, it's a better game. Yeah. So I'll I'll watch the Reds and I love Reds especially if I'm playing fantasy because people are scoring and I'm seeing points coming in. And then I'll um I'll pay attention to it, but definitely when it's smaller games, uh, or a lot less games, I think it's easier to watch. So that's a decent point. I actually think Rachel, your answer there. I think you should produce this podcast from my own, <laughs> and I'll be a guest because <laughs> you've paid attention to one week and you know more than I do. I was like, hang no, on, I'm gonna take notes here. No, <laughs> do you know what it is? It's so funny. It's just like I'm a massive fan of sport. I always have been. Like I, I've grown up. Like I, I said this to Steve. Like I'll watch golf willingly, which kind of makes me unique, I think, in in certain ways. But I also love football, and I like 
because I'm making a conscious effort more and more to be off my phone when I'm watching sport, I'm now actually paying attention to it more. Like, I was on my phone talking to Steve, being like, why are they cheering? What the fuck just happened there? I don't understand this thing. And then Steve would occasionally get something wrong and be like, that's, no, I fucked that. Oh, no, I'm, re- oh, no, I mixed that up. And it's, it's, it's kind of wild because I think NFL has this kind of thing where there's too many rules, it's too slow, it doesn't matter, none of it makes sense. And then you kind of watch it and you're like, actually it's not that bad like it's like mm. when i first got it it's like when you first introduced to rugby and everyone's like rugby's too complicated and it's like if you get the basics of rugby it's actually not that complicated there's obviously other bits about like the rook that no one really understands what's going on there but like it's not as complicated as i thought it was and it's also not as boring as i thought it was as well have you have you next thing is to go to a live game yes yeah, because... steve, steve was trying to get me to go to one last year with the rhinos um <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> Maybe not. We, I've I've done the London series and I was blown away by it because it, it is such a spectacle. Uh, even though it was just a, it was a, it was a nothing regular season game, but it was such like a, a, a mad atmosphere and it was like a big tailgate party and all this year, and then you when you go in and you get to see the actual game live in front of you and you don't have the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the you don't have the the red zone or the comedy to fall back on. You have to work things out for yourself. Then mm-hmm. I think that's you get a better understanding of it. Like and that's yeah, how it, I it, sort of re- that gripped me then when I see when I watched it. It's when you're watching it without the support of the commentary. It's a very different experience. Um, yeah. I watched the last London game I was at. I went to Tommy Bow. Um, it was a subway like thing that I was sent on. Um, and Tommy like had an interest, but then didn't really know what was going on so I literally spent like I was doing with Rachel last Sunday spent the entire match like kind of going yes yeah, so this has happened this has happened now going into the game I had said that the the Ravens were going to beat the the Jags like it was going to be comfortable and the Jags ended up winning by like 40 points or something it was like the worst performance the Ravens have ever had <laughs> against the Jags so I looked like an I looked like an idiot from that point of view but I mean nothing's new there uh, but like I think yeah obviously I mean, as Rachel knows, I coach, um, as people listening to the podcast knows, that like my knowledge is kind of at a level above maybe your casual NFL fan. But sometimes like I, I do for like I forget, like even something I think I was explaining I didn't think I needed to explain to Rachel the difference between a punter and a kicker. <laughs> you were but mistaken. I but I, yeah, I was mistaken. <laughs> and I, I but, but you know what I mean? But like you have like you have to ask that question. Like I could I, I there's questions I have about rugby or cricket or or even hurling like because we didn't play hurling in Kildare so like hurling what? isn't a bizarre sport we didn't play hurling in real Kildare not Dublin Kildare oh, where you're from Steve um but <laughs> sorry, so welcome to my WhatsApp conversation um <laughs> is so like you know I'm not saying that I don't I I obviously understand the rules of hurling but the nuance of it I think yeah. is, that's what you get from someone who someone who knows what they're looking at. Um, and even like the the commentary on uh, the NFL games are brilliant because it's always ex players and stuff, and they try to explain it to people as if they're watching the game for the first time. Where I lose interest is in when it goes back to the studio. Yeah. And it's it's fucking what's his the Bob Neil Reynolds, Neil Reynolds who I oh no I thought home. it was Clive Woodward I said it to Steve he looks like Clive Woodward. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> but uh, it's it's. It, they take a certain assumed level of knowledge and they almost speak down to people. And I don't like that at all. Like, because mm. this is still a very niche sport. It's growing and it's growing exponentially in terms of people playing it, in terms of people watching it. 
But the only way to get people in is to make it more accessible for them. Um, and Rachel's a really easy sell because she's a massive sports fan. So she just needs to be sold on the fact that it's not going to bore her, that it's a sport worth enjoying and that it is a proper competition. Like, I, like um, you know, I have been with Amy for 21 years. I have been married to her for 13 17? years. 13 years? 13 years. Oh, fuck, Amy. And she has, <laughs> she has never sat down and watched an NFL game. <laughs> like, so, like, some people you just can't sell on it. But, like, that, but she's, watched, she's watched basketball with me. She's watched football with me. But you can't sell her on NFL. And I realise it's not a seller for everyone. So when I get very excited then when someone like Rachel comes along and then I can convince her to become a Raiders fan as well. I'm still uh, on the fence about that. You're absolutely not. You have committed on Twitter to being a Raiders fan. So, yeah. I, I accidentally committed on a recorded podcast that I recorded myself. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it was we, really we, funny because my brother, my brother is a, as I said, my brother's a Texans fan, and he, Ronan likes to slag me because I'm a big like lefty socialist. And um, I was like, Steve wants me to support the Raiders. He's like, Yeah, they don't have any money, but like, I feel like he's like, I feel like in terms of you, they're probably the team most suited to you in that regard. <laughs> I was like, Is that a dig? And he was like, Actually, no, it's not. Yeah, because we went, we, you were you were thinking, like, we, we actually went through a few teams. We did, like, yeah. Too problematic, their quarterbacks are rapist, or they, Ray you Rice. know. Yeah, like, it, there was a lot of issues with a lot of teams, and you keep coming back to the Raiders, and the fact, And the 49ers. And for, no, I, and I did say to you that you could go to 49ers. I absolutely said that to you. The 49ers are completely unproblematic. Um, but the Raiders are going to be fun this year, and I think it's a bandwagon worth being on. So... <laughs> We we actually have a, a question from a listener about the readers. Really, we want us to chat to them about they went two zero this season. So, Steve, you you've kidnapped myself and Rachel, and we're now readers fans <laughs> so far. If Kyler Murray keeps doing what he's doing, I'm sorry, but I'm ditching you. Yeah. Um, so, Such a fair weather fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, talk us through. Uh, Monday night because I know you sat up and you watched it and because you texted me at half four to let me know Darren Waller had obviously won my fantasy game for me which I appreciated like um, so talk us through it talk us through the Raiders last two first two games the next four games as well Steve are deadly they're really tough they're really tough Pats, uh, right, Bills, look, Chiefs and like, Bucks Rachel makes Rachel makes a really good point like 2-0 it means nothing you're not you're 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 15 <laughs> 15% of the way through the season, it's, it, it, it doesn't mean a huge amount. But at the same time, it's the way they played. So against the Panthers, the defense struggled, but the offense looked like they were going to, like they could score against anyone. And it was the exact same against the Saints. Like they scored on six out of seven drives to end the game against the Saints. The Saints come into the season. We had a preseason podcast where we said, on paper, the New Orleans Saints were the best team in football. They had a great offense, they had a great defense, and the Raiders absolutely made mince meat of that defense because Darren Waller was open down the middle of uh, all game. You had Henry Ruggs the third, like absolutely open all game. Car didn't find them, but I think we're going to see that in the the Patriots game. Patriots are going to put Stephen Stephen Gilmore, their best cornerback, on Darren Waller, and it's going to free up Ruggs, and Ruggs is going to have an absolute day. Um. But I'm really excited about the Raiders because there was a there's one play in that game. It was 17 points all, and it was fourth down on the goal line. And normally, most nine teams out of ten would kick for a field goal there. They, and Paul Hosford, as a kicker, Paul Hosford would absolutely want them to kick the ball there. But the Raiders went for it and they scored a touchdown. 
and their percentage chance of winning the game went from nine percent to sixty four percent on just one play. And it's that kind of it's that like it's the balls to do that. Like the best the, the, the if you remember correctly when the Raiders got to the playoffs last, they started their season with a game against the New Orleans Saints where they went for two on the very last point play of the game where ninety nine teams out of a hundred would have kicked the field goal to go to extra uh, to go to overtime and the Raiders went for the win, they gambled and, and that kick started their season. And this feels like the it feels like the Raiders could put up 30, 35 points every game. And they'll need to because the defense is so bad. Like it's it's two extremes. But I'm I, I genuinely like from obviously I'm a fan. I'm wearing a Raiders t-shirt right now. Nobody can see that because again I've forgotten that we're in audio format. But, uh, <laughs> he does this every week. every single week. I keep I like last week Rachel. I was literally using my hands to point out like positions people had on the field, and then like, like thirty seconds just- in. Your description of the Raiders is really interesting, though, because it's just reminded me that you're making the Raiders sound like they're the leads of the NFL. Like, really good offensive and a defense that can be absolutely scored upon at any given moment. That is pretty much what the Raiders are, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the offense is so exciting that you're going to watch every game because they're not out of any game. That's the thing. Like, they could, Mm. like, they were 17, like, they were basically what? 14, 14 nil down and then 17 three down. Mm-hmm. And they came back and won. Like they scored. They they were they were so good. Like I'm obviously biased. I, as I said, I'm biased. But the neutral, the analyst in me, is really excited by what he's seen. This is as good as they've been since the year they got to the playoffs. And if Derek Carr hadn't got injured that year, I am convinced they would have won the Super Bowl. And there's nothing. They are. That's and a big call. It it is a big call. But like I've had a few glasses of, uh, of prosecco, so I'm going to calls right now. Um, no, but seriously, I I I think this is a good year to to to, to kind of get on the the, the Las Vegas Raiders bandwagon. Um, um, and it's that's still weird for me to say because when I I'm so old when I first started sporting them, they were the LA Raiders. Um, they've but, only changed one letter there, really. Well, they went to Oakland for like twenty years in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh fair yeah okay that'd yeah, be yeah. okay fair. um but oh, yeah, no, Raiders, yeah yeah, yeah so i i just think it's a, for both of you like i know phil he's getting his eyes turned by kyler murray and i appreciate that he's kyler murray is playing really well with the arizona cardinals but i just think this if if anyone is out there listening and they haven't picked the team the raiders are going to be a fun watch this year um and it, it just for that alone it, it's worth getting behind them did you uh, did you watch back on the Raiders highlights, uh, Rachel? And have you felt a, a longing for them, or did you just watch back and go, "Nah, I'm still not sold." No, I actually didn't watch the game at all. I'm not gonna lie. So I've come on here on false on a false premise because Steve Respect. was like, "I actually didn't." So the thing is, I'm very easily talked around. So <laughs> Kev Byrne wanted recommended the Buffalo Bills. My brother was kind of nudging towards the Texans. My other friend Eric was kind of recommending the Ravens, um, and then Graham. Uh, who's a friend of Steve's wanted me to support the Miami Dolphins and I was like I'm an optimist I'm not pick um and then obviously there's the Jaguars and like so but I I was kind of talked over the Raiders because Steve is the most persistent I guess but um so I'm kind of looking forward to 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 actually watching a game I didn't watch it on Monday because I was uh busy I was recording my own podcast and stuff like that so and it was also way too late like I need to be in bed by like 11. But uh, I'm looking forward to this Sunday because I am off this Monday. So I'm looking forward to watching as much football as my tiny brain will allow for. Lovely. We play the Pats this Sunday. Now, 
Stephen thinks we're going to win every game, so no. I'm going to I'm going to ask him anyway for a prediction, but I know what's coming. <laughs> Steve, I'm worried about the Pats in general. Um, we'll get into this more in, in the like I won't talk about this more in, over the course of the season, but um, I th- I honestly think with Cam Newton and Bill Belichick, they're just evil. They're like the Manchester United of of American football. They're just whoa, evil. whoa, 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 whoa! Worse. Hang on now, hang They're on. They're absolutely now. worse than Manchester United. Yeah. I would say. Thank you very much. Um, so I worry, and I worry this week that Cam Newton's going to do some damage to that defense. He will, but I have seen, I saw what the Seahawks' offense did to the Patriots' defense, and I'm very confident that the Raiders can live with them. It's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be whatever team has two drives in a row that they don't score on, that's going to be the, the key in the game. Like, And that's what happened to the Saints the other night. They had two drives in a row where they didn't score and then had the turnover as well. Um, I think the Patriots will win. I think the Raiders have a really tough schedule, but I I would be stunned at this stage after starting 2-0 and if, if the Raiders, their bye week comes after weeks, sorry, week by in in week six, so they'll have played five games. I think the Raiders will be three and two, probably at that stage. So I think they'll have a winning record at the bye week, which is all I could have asked for at the start of the season. When like the Raiders have the toughest schedule in the NFL this year, they play more division winners than any other team. Um, and the fact they're playing the NFC South, which is last year was the best division in football, um, is really tough for them. But they've already taken care of two NFC South teams. Um so I I'm the the to me the Patriots game isn't the big one. The big one is the Kansas City Chiefs. They've only beaten the Kansas City Chiefs once in the last like ten attempts, and that was the year they made the playoffs and it was one of the best I think we had a couple of podcasts ago we talked about it. It was the best game of football I've ever seen because it there were the final play of the game, Rachel. I, I maybe I've told you about this game before, but the Raiders scored and won the game three times, and the Kansas City Chiefs won the game three t- twice themselves on the final play. But because of penalties, it had to keep being going over again. Oh my gosh! So, yeah, it was under, and this was a Thursday night, so it finished at like half six in the morning Irish time. And I had to go; I literally had to get up for work at quarter seven, so I obviously just hopped in the shower and uh, and went to work. But it was one of the greatest nights of football I've ever seen in my life. And that's to me, if they can beat the Chiefs. That's the one. I, I don't really care about the Patriots because I I think the Yeah, Patriots... but can they beat the Chiefs? Like I'm I'm not I'm no expert, but Mahomes could well, Mahomes like, is an issue there for you. They're the best team in football. Like. Yeah, they are the best team in football, but the Chargers yeah. put the Chargers put them to, to overtime at the weekend and the Raiders are as a much better team than the Chargers. So like I I don't want to get Raiders fans too excited because I am obviously incredibly excited as you can hear by it, but <laughs> I, I, I am much more optimistic. I, I tweeted before the start of, of Monday night's game, like, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Raiders lose in yet another city. Um, uh, but, like, that was only kind of almost to reverse jinxes because I had a sneaky feeling they were going to win. Um, and I have a sneaky feeling that they'll surprise people this weekend as well and more and more people will sit up and take notice. When you say surprise, though, do you mean just put in a genuinely good performance? No, I think, I think they'll win. I think they'll win. You think they're going to beat the Patriots? Yeah. Right. Well, you've been wrong about many, many, many things. So. I hope they do beat the Patriots because I absolutely cannot stand Boston. 
That's fair. I'm, I'm just going to hope lump the whole city in, in now. <laughs> it used to be Boston sports teams, but I've just lumped the whole city in now. I can't stand nah, we, it. We've got a good friend from Boston. You, you can lump her in as well. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other member of the Shut Up Steve fan club is from Boston. So. <laughs> but no, any, anything I would see, because like obviously as a casual like sports fan, you just kind of, you follow the Belichick-Brady stuff. And now that Brady's gone, like it's interesting to see can Belichick do it with a different quarterback, but... He's also just the embodiment of evil. So there's that. I think, though, when I get to his age, there's a fair chance I'll be as grumpy as him. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I, I quite like, I quite like that. That he, you see, if he, I would hate to be doing one of his press conferences, um, because it draw, it's like drawing blood from a stone. But I quite like how he does that. Sometimes he just doesn't give any answers. Doesn't get. He's won that much, and he doesn't give a shit. I'd like to get that stage in life where I just don't give a shit what people think and I can just act as grumpy as I want. Ah, you do. You get to that once you're about 65. That's when all the racism kicks in. So you got to be careful what you wish for. Yeah, you see, unfortunately, I have family members that this has happened to and the racism has took over. <laughs> and, and the bigotry is back from, you know, like I live in a Molotov cocktail in the north. So unfortunately, we have all that shit mixing together. But I mean, it's it, it causes for some interesting conversations. But I think that's for a different podcast. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, 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 I never would have associated bigotry with the North of Ireland. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a new thing we've developed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Right, Rachel. Obviously, you you produce and present a brilliant podcast, but some of our listeners might not know about it. So, do you want to tell us? Oh, about disturbing the peace. Oh, God. Okay. So, I think it's only fair. That's fair. Disturbing the peace is the tagline is it's the podcast of uh, talking about the lesser discussed topics of Irish society. Uh, it's basically just a podcast where I get people who I find interesting on to talk about loads of stuff. So, recent interviews, like uh, I've got Richard Chambers one that's coming out tomorrow, which is the 25th. We're chatting about journalism and stuff like that. Uh, previous guests include Kate McGrew, who is the head of the Sex Workers Alliance Ireland. I've had Steve on to talk about his face. I had Steve on to talk about what it was like having a baby in COVID. It's not just Steve, though. Um, we've talked, like we talked about the. We I had a really good podcast with a guy called Simon McGar all about data privacy, um, which was really really fun to do. And I have had Emma Duffy. I just recorded a podcast with Emma Duffy at the Forty Two about um, female uh, female journalists in sports writing and the kind of female participation in sport and we just talk about like loads around stuff like I've done loads on sex and libido and depression and mental health and we just do a whole range of stuff and it comes out every Friday there's a Patreon um I produce it on my own I host it on my own I research it on my own and it's just kind of cool little side project that I do so thank you for the plug I really appreciate it this is not the cross kind of promotion I ever anticipated (laughs) it is excellent it is is well worth listening to if you're listening to this podcast I promise I've caught a few Steve. of them, and I, I would, I would tell like my my wife, uh, my brilliant, amazing wife, like, uh, like she's my hero, and but she does not give a shiny shite about me talking about sports, <laughs> but she would like like your stuff, like you know, podcasts like this here, and I'm trying to get her into more podcasts, so point her in that direction, and then you have other things like the second captains are doing the brilliant. I don't know if brilliant's the right word because it's so horrific, but the George Gibney case. Oh, you know, yes. I, I, like, we, we all do, do podcasts. I find podcasts just sometimes just so amazing. You can just tune into another world yeah. and fall into something. Like, And how have, you, like, how have you found it producing one? Because I produce this with Steve. So I actually like talking to his face. Um, and I do this with the other one, the sports ball, with 
Sarah's brother, my brother-in-law Brent, and he were, we're best friends now, and our cousin Johnny, and we just love it because we're talking shit about sports. Like, so do you find that with the Serbian piece? Is it like a sort of a therapeutic thing as well? Because that's what it is for me. It is definitely. So initially, I was approached to it by uh, a, a mate of mine called Tony, um, and he does the tortoise shack. And uh, I left that collective earlier this summer because of disagreements i would say creative differences creative differences um creative differences and i have i was scared going solo because i was like because you know tony talked to tony's credit he taught me so much about producing and all this kind of stuff but um it's it's made it's let me meet so many cool people and have so many really interesting conversations like when i approached steve to do it we weren't actually that good a mate at the time actually and now he's unfortunately my best friend, I would say. Um, but I've got to have really cool conversations and not just about stuff that like I got to talk to Paul Hosser about his about his hopes and dreams and fears about becoming a, a first time father. Um, yeah. I've got to talk to Sir, I got to interview Saoirse McHugh. That was class. Like that was really cool. And particularly in this time, what was really cool is there's a very good friend of mine uh, who works for the 42 called Gav Casey. And Gav is known as a rugby podcast host and, and a sports writer. Uh, but what most people... He's brilliant. He's brilliant. But what most people don't know is that he lost his father at a very young age. Um, when he was just gone 18. And we did a whole podcast because I was losing my mother at the time to, to terminal cancer. And we did a whole podcast on grief. And therapeutic probably isn't strong enough a word because we got to have this amazing conversation about what it's like to go through this thing and how you deal with it afterwards. And the reaction we got from that was massive. And it's it's nice because it's a side of Gav that you don't necessarily know about him. And he was very willing to come on and talk about it. And then my mum passed in February. I found myself going back to listen to that pod two or three times. And it's really helped me personally. But it's also helped other people. And we still get feedback. I know Gav still gets feedback and I get feedback on it now and again. So it's it's been a really good creative outlet. I've had a lot of fun with it. I've got to meet loads of cool people. Um, got to meet some of my heroes. Like I got to chat to Richard Chambers, which was pretty cool. And I love Richard Chambers. So yeah, like I, I love it. And particularly during COVID, it's been a really good outlet because it keeps me busy in the evenings when you couldn't, particularly when you couldn't go anywhere. I was like, mm. well, I get to record a podcast now. So that's cool. And people are way more accessible now than they were because everyone's okay with using Zoom and Skype and stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you've got Richard Chambers coming on because... I say to Steve every week about him coming on this because I know he's a Knicks fan, but I think I <laughs> Anna, maybe fanboyed him. Fan. Anna Packers fan. Anna Packers fan. I think I might have fanboyed him too much on Twitter. <laughs> I don't uh, think we we don't have we like Virgin Media isn't accessible. We don't see it up here. Of course. Right. So, um, in in the dirty north, but we have uh, obviously because he's always on Twitter, and then with all the stories that are breaking down there, he doesn't know this probably, but. He's actually a household name up here. People know who he is up here, even though we really? don't have larger media because of yeah, because of. I think he covered, he covered the Paddy Jackson trial, didn't he? he? Did. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. He covered it so well that everyone was just like, "Fuck, this this kid's brilliant!" Like this fella's brilliant. So people know him like randomly. I would say and and work about him or whatever. I'd say show someone up and a fella would know him. Who you? Yeah, it's actually really funny. We talk about that. We talk about uh, like we talk about the the accessibility that he's tried to hone, and this is going into the episode tomorrow. But like the accessibility he's tried to hone on Twitter, and also what it's like for him because he's kind of become a bit of a celebrity, I guess, in his own right, which is weird because as he says himself, you're not really supposed to have celebrities in journalism, but 
yeah, like I like we had a really interesting conversation about about misinformation and disinformation and, and fake news and fake WhatsApp stories in particular. And um, yeah, like I, I just I, I love doing it. Like I chat for Ireland and I think you you get to have these really fun and interesting. And I come away from the conversation generally having learned something that I didn't know before, which I always really enjoy. So yeah that's that's unreal um this is such a stupid cheesy question do you forgive me but i'm cheesy I don't give a fuck if you could pick one person to have on your podcast dead or alive who would it be rachel oh dead or alive oh that's really really difficult well i guess would be really hard to get conversation out with. yeah because i was going to say my mother but that doesn't count uh- <laughs> Steve, you're such an arsehole <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, like it's like dead or alive like you've caught me at a bad time because i'm literally reading i'm reading a massive book called uh, surveillance capitalism the rise of surveillance capitalism by shoshana zuboff and she is a privacy advocate and she has a phd and she she's basically done this massive research into, into privacy and the rise of google and facebook and apple and how they have access to all our data and not just that but what they're doing with it and how it's slowly eroding democracy and and our rights as a whole and stuff like that so she was literally on the documentary i was watching so maybe her but i think i also said on a podcast recently that it'd probably be ken early because i'm a massive fan of ken early like ah, just, see i just love ken early and i actually he came to my first live pod and um i was so nervous because he was there and i got chatting to him afterwards he bought me a pint but uh i was like I was like, really, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Because I just finished interviewing Saoirse McHugh. And when I get really nervous, I swear a lot. And I was like, oh my God, I swore too much. Jesus Christ, I can't believe I fucking swore so much. Ken Early was there and he was like, what are you worried about? Like, I was like, I swore too much, Ken. And he was like, it's fucking done now, Rachel. It's in the past. Like, come on, move on. I was like, okay. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so yeah, probably Ken Early, realistically. Yeah. Class. And because we've been stuck in such a... The, the world's on its arse at the minute and at some times, but I've had, we've had I've had guests on since lockdown like you and uh, one of them was a basketball company here called Skeets. So I love basketball and I, and I ask I've started asking other guests this question. And um, when all this is said and done and we can travel freely, I know people are traveling, but whatever, and you can travel freely and no risks to anyone else's life or your own. Mm-hmm. Where is the first place you would go to? There's a family hotel. This is really stupid, but not really. There's a family hotel in Rosslare called Kelly's. And my mother and my grandmother have been going there for 25 years. And we went there in November last year with my mother. And Mm -hmm. uh, she passed in February. And I'm supposed to go with my nana in November. I don't know if that's going to go ahead. Um, But as soon as I am able to... I'm going down there with her and some of my mother's friends and I'm going to go scatter the ashes, some of my mum's ashes on the beach in Rosslare. So that's the first place I'm going. And it's not like a, I'm going to Las Vegas to watch the Raiders with Steve because I'm sure he'll drag me at some point. But yeah, from a personal perspective, it's 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 probably going to be down there. Ah, that's uh, that's beautiful. That's, I, I really <laughs> hope you, you get to do that. I really hope you do get to do that. Um, some point soon anyway yeah who knows um hopefully so who knows like but i really hope you do, do, do that so um rachel thank you so much for coming on thank you for having that's me. you part of the that's you part of sports bubble now so i'm gonna be torturing you and uh, come on other times <laughs> i don't care if you say no because i can I, just I, get I, you on I'm skype to do it. i'll talk shite i have no problem with that i've never yeah, had a problem 100 uh, do you support a soccer team uh i used to be a man united supporter in my stupid stupid youth and now i'm more sympathetic to liverpool so yes 
yes. <laughs> we'll just turn this into the Rachel and Phil show, Steve. You can get it. Fine. It's okay. <laughs> that backfired. It's the one, one topic of conversation we don't bring up because I just get so annoyed by someone being an ex-Man United fan and now a Liverpool fan. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm, okay. The thing is, I don't, like I watch a lot of football, but I, I'm my dad actually. My dad is really funny. He introduced me to football as a child, but he never really supported anyone. So I was raised as a neutral, more or less. So I only supported Manchester United because my older cousin Murren did. And now um, none of us do. So I just, my brother supports Liverpool. I'm quite sympathetic to Liverpool. I like Jurgen Klopp quite a lot. So Nice. Mm. I fully mm. respect that behaviour. Mm. Um, so you can catch the Disturb- Disturbing the Peace podcast and all your podcast addicts. Ads, sorry. And you also have a Patreon. I do. Uh, patreon.com forward slash DTP pod. <laughs> Thanks for letting me uh, talk. No, no problem at all. Like, I'm trying to get actually uh, a bacon, a homemade, a little home bacon company to come and so sort I of can plug their stuff. It means nothing for sports, like, but I just want to help anyone out. So I don't give like, I'll just plug anything. So, um, yes, <laughs> what a tangent this is going off on. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. This is brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Everyone, make sure you check out Rachel's podcast. Plus, she's going to be on ours over the course of the season, filling oh, us thanks. in on whoever the fuck she supports. <laughs> I hope she doesn't support the readers because they don't know you, Steve. But thank you so much. Um, catch all, You know where to get all our podcast stuff. Just look for the Sports Babble. All the podcast apps that... Um, why get the fuck can I not say apps? I don't know. I'm the one drinking, not you. Like, you two are the ones that are drinking. I'm drinking water. Like, what is going on? Um, <laughs> Just search, just search the Sports Babble. Get us on Twitter, get us on Instagram at the Sports Babble, and we'll see you on again next week. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>